Welcome to Season 1, Episode 1 of Operator Revolution, the podcast about operations. I'm Jason Carvello, founder of Toronto-based Operating Academy. And I'm Clint Overton from the Overton Group in St. Louis. We are your hosts. As this is our inaugural first podcast, we're going to kick it off with a brief discussion on why we chose the name that we did, and then get into discussion about the definition and importance of an operator. So Clint, why did we end up choosing the operator revolution? Well, you know, I think, I think operations is really a lost art and, you know, sales and marketing and cash management are things that are certainly talked about on a routine basis in terms of how organizations run their business. Um, but in particular, the last several years, you know, businesses have had an opportunity to be really successful because the economy has been on fire. Um, and I think that, as we've moved into a transition where companies are starting to be more and more concerned about the economic conditions, uh, concerned about the readiness for a potential recession, I think it just really brings up the importance of uh, a sustainable business really is fueled by a strong operational model. Um, and as we talked about this, I think certainly one of the things that um, we felt like needed to be, be brought back to the surface is operations as kind of the center of the plate discussion. And why do why did we see that role of the operator kind of be diluted over the last you know few years? Well, I mean, I think it's a few things. I mean, I think certainly that the economy was so hot that the sales and marketing machine allowed companies to continue to have success. Um, and I think that when you're having success and things are going well, it's easy to stop paying attention to the things that are happening kind of right underneath your nose. Um, you stop providing maintenance to the the systems and processes that really had success for your business in the early days. And I think that right now what's happening um, as a result of that is um, some businesses are even starting to panic a little bit because they have yeah. neglected it so long that they've, they've, they've underinvested in their people, processes, and technology. And now they're trying to figure out how do I survive what's in front of me and how do I actually create a sustain sustainable business model going forward. Which is a great segue into um, the main topic for today, which is the definition and importance of the operator. So we've been going back and forth this week talking quite a bit about this. And I, I know we're both a bit, uh, a bit heated in a positive way about really continuing to shed our thoughts on what this definition is and the importance of it. So why don't we, why don't you kick it off and give us uh, your thoughts on um the definition and importance of the operator. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, for me, over the last six months, I've spent a lot of time focusing on the trusted advisor community. So um, if you think about a CEO or owner, the people that they typically would surround themselves with uh, to provide guidance um, and suggestions to them, especially when things aren't going as well. And one of the things that's really been interesting to me is I've dealt with some people who are extremely experienced, you know, spanning wealth advisors, CPAs, attorneys, um, folks that are operating private equity firms is that when you start talking about operations and COOs and roles like that, it's pretty clear to me that there's really kind of a lack of understanding of what that role means um, to an organization. So, you know, some of the, the questions that I've gotten routinely uh, when you're describing the value of coming in um, as an operator in an, in an organization is, isn't that what EOS is or, um, Hey, I have somebody who that really focuses on metrics, KPIs, and scorecards. Is that really what an operator is? 
The reality is, is an operator isn't just one thing. And so, you know, the way that I, I kind of like to think about it is, first of all, just understanding what the definition is of operations management. Yeah. Um, and then I think certainly helping you understand a little bit more about what a um, what an operator really is. So, I mean, j- just a just a few thoughts around this that uh, kind of pull it together based on my own personal experience. And then also, you know, certainly spending a little bit of time um, looking at definitions that you see, you know, out on the internet. But, you know, operations management to me is a field of business concerned with the administration of business practices to maximize efficiency and effectiveness within an organization. It involves designing, planning, organizing, and overseeing the organization's processes to balance revenues and costs and achieve the highest possible profit. It requires the ability to use change management, organizational design, technology, outsourcing, metrics, scorecards, among other skills and tools to achieve your results. So clearly it's not one thing. It's not just one thing. And so what is an operator? An operator is the primary force driving a team towards the fulfillment of a company's vision. This person's an experienced and skilled professional in operations management, which is the definition I just gave. So I I think the fact that it just kind of routinely gets um, trivialized, um, I think we have an opportunity to educate people in terms of the value stream that a true operator brings to an organization. And um, the thought process around EOS and and the definition of EOS, can you give us just a big a bit of background. I think maybe some listeners maybe have never heard of EOS. I know when I first met you, I never actually had heard of it. No, absolutely. I mean, so EOS is Entrepreneurial Operation Operation System, a book written by Gino Wickham a number of years ago. It's actually a great book. It's a system that a lot of small and medium-sized businesses oftentimes implement in their organizations as well. Um, and generally, you know, generally it's a it's a place where they've decided that. Uh, what has gotten them to this point isn't working any longer. They're trying to scale their organization, they're trying to reposition their organization. And they realize that what's been working in the past hasn't worked. So they're bringing in someone to implement EOS into their organization. The thing that's really important about this, which I think is really interesting when I talk to people who have familiarity with it, is if you read Traction, there's really three super critical roles in the successful implementation of EOS. One is the is the visionary who is your is typically the CEO. So they're the person who has kind of all the, the creative muscle in the organization, um, probably uh, very centrally focused on sales and marketing in many cases, product management, product development. And the reason why somebody wants to put in EOS is a, largely because of the fact that they have grown beyond the ability to just focus on the capabilities of the visionary, and they really need to be able to execute more effectively. So if you read EO, if you retraction and you learn about EOS, you have the implementer who's coming in, who has been, um, their services are being provided to kind of help set up this framework. They usually come in, they do a couple day workshop, and then they come in on some type of routine basis in order to do check-ins. The visionary, again, is usually the CEO, president, owner of the company, but the integrator is actually an operator. And so as we go back and kind of what we just talked about a few minutes ago, that's the person that really is identified even in the book and in a lot of other ancillary content that you can read. They're the glue that actually helps 
ensure the EOS is successful. They're the one who translates the vision of the visionary into an actionable plan and oversees it and makes sure that the rubber hits the road and it becomes a reality. And so the fascinating thing to me, you know, as I've spent so much time with all these folks who are, who are educating and advising CEOs and owners is that oftentimes they don't understand or value the importance of an operator in a business and the difference that it can make um, to the, the sustainable success of a business. And it, 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 I guess, I guess likewise for you, Jason, I mean, you've been a CEO for a number of years. You've operated as a fractional CEO for you know, close to a decade now. You've worked with a lot of different organizations. So um, I think certainly I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience. I know we've talked about it, but just how much education goes into helping businesses understand, one, why your services are of value. But then once you've gotten in and had an opportunity to work with them, how many things you're educating them on that they maybe didn't really have visibility into before? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, for context sake, a lot of my background has been dealing with um, startups, technology companies. These are organizations which are usually moving quite quickly. So a typical you know, case study for me is founder has a great idea, has cobbled together a team, is basically trying to get traction um, and you know, gets traction and starts to build out a team, starts to generate some revenue. Their product has product market fit. But, you know, after a year, after maybe three years, after maybe five years, they start to start to see a decline in their ability to hit their KPIs, hit their goals. Um, they start to see fires pop up. They start to see um, disorganization um, within, within their organization. And there starts to build frustration. There starts to build a lack of clarity. There starts to build just one goal, which is we need to get more revenue and we need to try and continue to basically stay alive. And so when I end up getting introduced to maybe an executive or a CEO, they're at a point mentally where their organization is on fire. You know, they don't know what is going on. They don't know what is up, down, left, or right. And when I've come into the organization, normally I'll take them through, and we've talked about this together, a risk matrix and really start to identify the fires that they're fighting. And a lot of the time, the fact of the matter is, is that the founder, the executive team is not clear on the definitions of what individuals are doing within the organization. Very simply, they may have mislabeled an individual. So a classic case of um, operational um, not readiness that I see is individuals who are being hired and they're being hired for the wrong role and they're being hired with the wrong title. Uh, classic cases, combination of trying to hire for business development versus sales versus corporate development. These roles ultimately get uh, the titles get changed, um, you know, depending on what's happening within the startup. Um, the startup is essentially just fluid and active and so forth. So they don't have any structure. They don't have any procedures and policies that help guide them. And they simply don't have a way to identify um, these fires. And so because they haven't taken an approach to um, actually documenting and understanding what is taking place within the organization, they're simply just a car on fire going down the highway at, you know, hundred kilometers an hour. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's interesting just in general, you know, some of the examples that you think about, especially if you're a smaller company and you've evolved over a period of time, you may have the ability to kind of relate to some of these examples. But when you're really small, people have to wear a number of hats in the organization. And that's understandable. Yeah, everyone's wearing multiple you know, hats. Yeah. You, know, you know, short on cash and you're trying to, to establish your business. But as you're maturing and you're really saying that you're devoted and dedicated to growing your organization and you become a multi-million dollar revenue business, you've gone from maybe a handful of employees to, to uh, you know, dozens, if not you know, three digits plus, is that you have to really start rethinking what you do and how you do it. And because it those things that you did when you had three or four or five clients don't scale when you have hundreds, if not thousands of customers, and it requires you to really rethink a lot of things. And so like a few examples I give kind of outside of operations that I think a lot of people can potentially relate to is that, you know, maybe you start off and you have somebody who's like in this kind of very um, broad administrative position, somebody that you knew that is just kind of helping you keep the, the wheels in the bus early on. And maybe that person doesn't have any background in accounting or bookkeeping. But the next thing that you do, like once you start having cash in the doors, you probably recognize the fact you need to do some bookkeeping. Maybe you don't want to invest in somebody else to do that who's actually an expert. So the office assistant becomes the bookkeeper. And then all of a sudden you're growing and growing and growing. And now you're actually yep. depending on that person to do financial strategy for you or what have you. Or maybe you've decided, you know what, we're getting big enough. I need to go out and I need to ask my C CPA who in most cases, you know, certainly adds a lot of value to the organization is important for an owner, um, usually around tax planning and accounting, but isn't a financial strategist and is not the person that can actually help them move their organization forward in terms of cash strategy, financial planning, putting in systems that can scale up to the types of business and maybe multiple product and service streams that they have. And so it's this idea of like continuing to promote somebody beyond their capabilities and then expecting that right. the outcomes that you want to have happen are going to happen. And I, I think that's right. can be, very, can be kind of foolhardy. Yeah. And it's, it's very frustrating to that owner, to that executive team because they're confused. Um, you know, they're trying to understand why is this person not exceeding um, and growing. And a lot of the time we've both seen this many times, individuals um, don't have the appropriate training set up. Right? They don't have the appropriate individuals to train individuals within their own organization to help them kind of move forward and allow them to kind of grow. And also from a startup perspective, to go to just double click on the fast growing pace of startups, startups, their primary goal a lot of the time that I've seen isn't to build like this really well run machine, right? that has this amazing scaffolding, all these great policies and procedures and, you know, the best uh, organizational training methods. Um, their goal is to just get out and get their product out in market as fast as possible. A lot of the time we've seen this word ship, ship, ship be used with software companies. We just got to ship, let's get it out there. Let's get the product feedback in and then let's redo the product, get it back out in market, get the sales folks to get out there knock on doors and continue to drive revenue at no point i probably in my 20 years had i ever had anybody come in and say hey i think we need an operator or we need an integrator um, that role of the coo which we're very familiar with seems to have just you know it's there it's been there for a long time since the beginning of the idea of c-suites but 
it seems like the idea of a COO has become uh, more important to the the C-suite executive. Um, and is that is that because now we're moving into a place in time in the economy where it is really required um, to have an integrator and operator? We're seeing that you know the heydays of sales driving the organization are, are kind of over, and that companies need to look now for an operator, look for an integrator, really need to define out this role, maybe hire a fractional COO. What are you seeing when you're out in market right now? Well, I mean, I think there's, I think there's a lot of things that are, that are driving the need to at least acknowledge that the need of an operator makes sense to an organization as they're trying to pivot. I mean, if you think about it right now, again, we talked a little bit about what's happened in the economy the last number of years where um, the economy is kind of on fire. And like one of the things that I generally describe is that I think some businesses were able to have success, even kind of in spite of themselves in terms of the things that were happening underneath. And so as long as they were making money, it didn't necessarily make sense to focus on all the other things that make the engine run. And so all of a sudden when revenues aren't coming in at the same rate and you still want to make profit, where, where are the places that you focus? Well, certainly one place that you start to focus is what is your expense base, which is it really a conversation around the efficiency of your organization. Well, generally sales and marketing is not efficiency based. It's not focused on efficiency, not that it can't be, but that's generally not the mindset of most uh, sales and marketers. Um, and so all of a sudden, this whole process end to end from when a consumer comes in the door or a business partner or client comes in the door until the end of life, all of a sudden you recognize the importance of paying much more attention to that. So, you know, one thing is certainly cost to continue to maintain profit. Secondly, is that uh, many businesses just came out of this very difficult period of time where their only way to grow was by hiring. Mm -hmm. more people. And they found yeah. that it became very difficult to identify the right talent, the right resources, because they've never really re-engineered or thought about their organization in a way that wasn't just people-based. And so we've heard a lot over the last six to 12 months about these significant layoffs of businesses of all sizes because of the fact that they weren't necessarily truly focused on an operating model that allowed them to be more nimble and to scale up and scale down without people being kind of the byproduct of that. So I think those two things in particular are like very relevant to people right now, cost structure and how do I grow and or downsize as the market changes without having to have like all this human capital impact. And I think that it's raising awareness that we need to do something differently, but oftentimes not sure who to turn to. What are the first steps that if I'm a business owner right now listening to this um, or watching this podcast, what can I do today to take action to help solve some of the issues that you just outlined? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a few things. I mean, one of the things that I always talk about in terms of somebody hiring somebody like you or I in an outside operations advisor or a fractional COO is there's several things that have to happen first. So one is, there has to be a meaningful problem that needs to be solved. Um, secondly, is the decision maker, the owner, the CEO, you know, the executive team has to admit that there's a problem, which I think sometimes mm, very um, difficult yeah. because there's many other things going on, or perhaps yeah. um, it's just easy to sweep it under the rug. 
three, they have to recognize that they're not necessarily the party who can fix it. And then it's a function then of saying, okay, where can I get help? And so a couple of thoughts that I think are really important. I mean, one is certainly getting out to your trusted advisor network um, and, and talking to them. But I think the other, one of the other things that you can do is utilize kind of a third-party assessment process to really evaluate the foundational strength of your organization. I think getting an independent okay. assessment of your business is super important because what it'll do is, is it will surface, it, it will further highlight the things that you know, but it will also surface many things that you're unaware of that are causing kind of these problems and challenges. And in, in, in my personal experience has been that when there is one fire, there are many more. Um, and there's oftentimes many different things that are causing those fires that need to be addressed. Let's go back to, again, the operator um, and what the operator is. Do we have any, we've gone through a few topics today. Do we have any other new thoughts that we want to convey about the operator? Any new information? We want to just go back to the original definition of, of like what an actual operator is. What should you be paying attention to right now if you are in an organization um, and you think you have an operator, but maybe you don't? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's it's having somebody that can bring together people, processes, and systems, and then the, the metrics and measurements for success, and you know, ensuring that you have the capabilities to scale your organization and to control your quality. I mean, somebody who can bring all that spectrum to your business is really important. And if you have to, they can just do pieces and parts of that and not all of it. And you're really trying to change the, the overall trajectory of your organization. You, you just, you need to think differently about the type of talent and expertise that's available. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go and hire a full-time leader. It could be an advisor. It could be a fractional COO. Um, but I think where it starts is acknowledging and recognizing where you have deficiencies and to me, a super easy way to go out and assess where you're at right now is take the free online assessment. It costs you nothing except for your time. And then I think it can be very eye-opening in terms of where you're at and where you need to be as an organization. With that, listeners, thanks for listening. We've only started to come together over the last probably six months, and we've got this first podcast done and out. And we're very excited for people to comment, like, and share uh, this podcast. So if you love what we're doing, please click the subscribe button below. Um, please leave a comment if there's a specific topic you want us to cover uh, in our upcoming episodes. We love feedback. Um, and go check out the rhinoedge.com. Uh, I'm Jason Carvello. This is... And I'm Clint Overton. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for spending your important time with us. Uh, we look forward to talking to you soon and have a great rest of your day. Take care.